Misa love, Ahsoka. Three, two, Prepare one. For light speed. Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Holocron Hoopla. Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of a galaxy far, far away. We're finally back with some new Star Wars content for the new Disney Plus live action Ahsoka. The first two episodes just dropped, and we're here to talk all about it. All sorts of fun little Easter eggs from the animated series from the past. All sorts of great, new, exciting Jedi adventures to be had. Uh, And I can't wait to have a little chat with the Hoopla Boys about it today. So we have the first two episodes dropped. Part one, Master and Apprentice. And part two, Toil and Trouble. Hoopla. We got a lot to talk about, so I might as well introduce the lovely members of the Hoopla Kroopla. Starting with the Jedi historian, Andy Smith. Thank you, Jamie. Andy Smith here, connoisseur of many nerdy things, Lord of the Rings, Marvel, DC, and Star Wars, of course. Jamie, I have my Ahsoka Lego here. I have a <laughs> beer with a Star Wars koozie, and I have a Kino Loy swimming school shirt on. I am ready to talk about some Star Wars. Oh, man, he's ready to go. I hope... Everyone's favorite droid, Chris Pio, is ready to go as well. C3Pio, human-cyborg relations here. Oh, I'm ready. I've just had a tune-up. I've had a nice oil bath. This droid is ready to talk Ahsoka. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This droid is ready to talk Rebels Season 5. Oh, he said it. <laughs> hey. Rebels Season 5. There we go. Live. Five live. And of course, the Hoopla Kroopla would not be complete without... Uh, the fourth and final member who's got a fresh new haircut, Ooh. a sweet little purpled hairdo going on, Jake Laxer. Yeah, this is fancy as fuck right here. You see this? Mm, look at that. Is that a perm? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But we're, we're in Star Wars no world. No one can see it, Jake. This is a podcast. <laughs> this is Star Wars. We're back in it. I can we're see jumping it. a galaxy far, far away. And you know what? I'm Jake Laxer, and I love all things TV and movies. And I did it backwards, but it doesn't matter because we're going and just going to have a great time talking about Ahsoka. We sure are. That's it. Ah, what a fun show. Um, thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Hoopla Podcast. Hopefully you and all your friends are out here watching this new Ahsoka show. It should be a good one. So if you got some other friends out there watching all sorts of Star Wars stuff, send them our way. Introduce them to the Hoopla Podcast. And of course, follow along for updates on everything we got going on in the world of the Hoopla Podcast by following us on all the socials. Chris, where can they find us? You can locate us on your holocron by loading up at Hoopla Podcasts on Twitter, Instagram, as well as you can find us now on TikTok. Little behind-the-scenes actions, maybe some little clips from the show. Check us out on TikTok. Definitely engage with us. Tell us your thoughts on Ahsoka. We have a couple polls going right now in the first two episodes. And once you hear from this particular podcast, we'll definitely be wanting to engage. So let us know what you thought about these two episodes. Get in the comments. Get in the comments. And unfortunately, we don't offer Kino Loy um, swimming instructor <laughs> t-shirts or whatever you have, Andy. We really but should. We re- what do Once we, we get Star Wars to license our products, we were going to have so a uh, Kino Loy series, Kino Loy turned Snoke series uh, coming out <laughs> to you here soon. Uh, Theory look music. Look over at our... Uh, 
theory music, uh, come over to our merch site at hooplapodcastnetwork.square.site where we do have some Holocron Hoopla gear, mugs, t-shirts, hats, and of course our official t-shirts. So if you want to support us, take a look. Uh, there's new merch coming out all the time. Ooh, so, so stay up to date. Follow us on all the socials. Check out the sweet uh, Hoopla podcast website. And all those links can be found in the episode description. And uh, Jake, you want to say anything? Hi. <laughs> and with that, That's it. let's take a quick you break Jake. <laughs> before we dive Misa. in Misa to these two episodes of Ahsoka. We'll be right back. And we're back. And we're back. So we had the first two episodes of Ahsoka came out back to back the same night to really get us all excited with all these fun new lightsaber battles and all sorts of exciting stuff. We got to see, again in live action, Ahsoka, who we've seen previously in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Now she's got her own show with all of her best friends from the past. We've got, I know her name, don't help me, do not help me, I know it. We've got Sabine Wren. <laughs> We've got Sabine um, Okay, fuck, help me. Commander something. Hera. General Sindula. 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 Hera. I One don't know anybody's names. <laughs> Would this be okay. a good time to admit to the audience, young Master Jedi Padawan, that you have not seen young Rebels Master Jedi Wars? No. Padawan? That is don't that's comprehensive. That's, um, that's A to Z right there. But that's what the Hoopla podcast is for. I haven't stayed up to date with as much Star Wars te- television shows as maybe you guys have. So we're going to, you guys are going to inform me and through that inform our wonderful audience of all this wonderful information uh, that I don't know about, about all the cool stuff that's happened in the past. So maybe where we should start is where does this TV show take place in the oh. timeline of Star Wars? As we meet Ahsoka, she has... Uh, apparently her relationship has ended with Sabine Wren. So where where is this happening? Now, we do want to get into the meat and potatoes of this, but considering you haven't seen much of this content before, Ahsoka, Jamie, I gotta know, how did you like episodes one and two? Off the top. Oh, put you on the spot. I love being on the spot because I texted this to Andy as soon as I finished the first episode. I said, that was the most Star Wars, Star Wars we've had in a long time. That was just mm. the epitome of Star Wars all the way through the first two episodes with little conflict between the bad guys sneaking into a base, pretending that they're Jedis, and then they go, we're no Jedis, blast, 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 blast. And then uh, deciphering maps, stealing maps, fighting droids. Um, it was just from start to finish, classic, classic Star Wars. Star Wars rhymes. You know, they mm. say it. Classic I, Star I really Wars. enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good. Oh, I'm glad to hear and that. That's, as that's you guys nice are hear. the aficionados of Star Wars, what did you guys think? One thing I want to get out of the way very quickly, I still, like Andor, I love Andor so much. And it's opened up a new era for Star Wars. But this but. is just feels to me this is why i began loving star wars growing up during the prequels this is truly a a live action continuation of prequel storytelling with a lot of the callbacks obviously to the original trilogy just all all the love that was put into the clone war series and rebels is really just 
so well embodied in these, these first two episodes. I, I thought it was a great introduction. And it sounds like it was a great introduction for someone that hasn't watched Clone Wars and, the, and Rebels series. It was. That's, yeah. that, it Which is the best part. Very, very intentional. Like the writing, the plot line, what they're revealing when is very intentional by Dave Filoni. Super excited about this series. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Andrew. This does feel like a continuation. Like I said at the top, it feels like Rebels season five. But it also is very easy to get into if you haven't seen any of that Rebels content. You're going to have to catch up on some of the lore and not every little detail about relationships between characters are going to make sense. But they do a pretty good job of catching you up quickly and they don't use a lot of dialogue on mm-hmm. it. It's a lot yeah. of just tone, body language. Why are you here? Things like that. We, even as Rebels fans, don't know exactly what happened between the fallout Mm -hmm. between Ahsoka and and Sabine, just as one example. There's lots more to get into. Uh, Jake, I I know you told me that your dad watched episode one just, you know, as a a basic Star Wars fan. Hasn't seen Rebels, hasn't seen Clone Wars, but even he was able to get into it, right? Yeah, he absolutely loved it. And that, that just goes to show across all, you know, age groups that everyone is you know really uh finding an interest in this new cinema uh that dave filoni just keeps building upon and this culmination that he's i mean lucasfilm for bringing dave filoni on that was the best executive decision that they could have done in the past 10 to 15 years this is now i will say this is the precipice of disney star wars this this is the precipice of disney star wars if they continue doing what they are currently doing and this doesn't bomb like secret invasion and this keeps the momentum that it has (laughs) i know i I have to put it in there as a disclaimer but if this has the momentum and continues with it this new era of star wars is going to be phenomenal high praise from jakey boy I feel good about it. And uh, for this eight episode season of Ahsoka, Dave Filoni is credited as the solo writer for every single episode. Mm-hmm. So that makes me feel good. I think that's going to be a great season. I'm, I'm very yeah. much looking forward to it. Sounds like we all really enjoyed the first two episodes, which is a great start. So now maybe we can dive into a little bit more of the, the details of what we had in this episode, starting with setting the stage for where this takes place in the world of Star Wars. When is this happening relative to the the movies that we've seen or the other TV shows, if it's in there as well? This happens very quickly, as you see in the start of the episode. Ahsoka has captured Morgan Elsbeth from that Mandalorian season two uh, episode, uh, which happened around five to six years after the, the 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 second Death Star blowing up. So the New Republic is still in a, is in its infancy, and you kind of see that in 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 ep- episode two uh, and. We don't know, as Chris alluded to, we don't know what's happened between Ahsoka and, say, her Padawan, uh, Sabine Wren, up until this point. But we do know that Ahsoka, you know, really was uh, a part of the rebellion, along with Harrison Dula, up until the very, uh, the very beginning to the the second Death Star opening, uh, blowing up. So, you know, relative to the the TV shows, about five years since what we know. Yeah, when we say Rebels season five, for anyone that's having trouble, you know, kind of placing this on the timeline. We mean that both in terms of context and Dave Filoni getting able to continue his vision with these characters, but also truly this picks up pretty much right after that. There's things that have happened. Just pretend that there's more episodes of of Rebels that we just haven't seen yet. 
Hopefully there are. <laughs> but that, that being said, the end of Ahsoka Episode 2 is a direct pull from the end, the very end of the Rebels series. So they recreate that scene on purpose to kind of structure the timeline. But like Andrew said, this is happening a couple years after the second Death Star blows up. The, the Empire has been squashed, but that's kind of the point of all of these uh, uh, Empire outlets and, and little outlet camps that are trying to spark the empire again. I see. I see. All right. Um, and this actually brings me to a question specifically for Jakey Boy, because in mm. our discussions during Mandalorian, you were bringing up a specific character who I was unfamiliar with, but you were very excited about the prospects of seeing live action Ezra. And his mm. name gets dropped mm. quite a few times in these first two episodes. What do you expect to get out of the Ezra storyline moving forward? So, uh, as we were discussing earlier, uh, <laughs> there is a show called Rebels, in case we haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> I'm sorry, what is this? Uh, <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Uh, one of the main characters in this show uh, is this younger Padawan uh, Jedi named Ezra Bridger. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil that whole series because it's just amazing. And again, Dave Filoni did, is a marvel for bringing a franchise to light that you need to go review in order to see newer content. I, I just think it's brilliant right. from like a, a, a whole, it's not just for kids. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's a, it's a great story ultimately, but it's how it started. But uh, anyhow, Ezra is, you know, we meet general Sindula. We meet, um, uh, we meet Sabine Wren and we meet Ahsoka Tano in these episodes. Right. Uh, and a, another key character in this Rebel series is Ezra Bridger. And so um, his uh, antagonist throughout the Rebels show is this uh, overbearing uh, Admiral Grand Thrawn. And so Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so now we're trying to see where these two characters sort of ended up and how we can get back to them. So And the, the first little set piece that we have in this uh, show where we get to see Ahsoka doing some cool Jedi stuff is when she acquires this mystical intergalactic map uh, in a little puzzle sphere thing. Yeah. Just one of the most Star Warsy things you can possibly get. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. Every major franchise character is always looking for a they map. They love maps. It's always a map. And then she gets the map, but she can't read the map, so she needs Sabine Wren to decode the map, which of course she does because she's obviously wonderful. And then, uh-oh, the bad guy steals the map. We gotta go get the map back. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that seems like a great plot to episode one, the pilot. <laughs> You know, Jamie, what I, what I loved about that opening with Ahsoka, it really and there there's obviously the opening with the the villains right before that, but that Ahsoka scene really kind of sets the stage of this being a samurai still have the western vibe uh to to the series tonally and you you see some cool action moves by by Ahsoka you see you know this Indiana Jones like planet uh just a lot of fun dude when she threw her two lightsabers into the ground and then force circled them and then dropped down to the uh floor below that was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, that was dope. That's like me. That was dope. She would have more. She, she would be able to pull those out more like swiftly and stronger with the force than using her hands. So it actually made right. functional sense, which is just <laughs> a great way to do that. Yeah. 
I was thinking it would look like me on the, the putting green, like picking up my golf ball with the back <laughs> of my putter because I'm just too lazy to bend down. <laughs> you are equally as badass as Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, when uh, when they do that scene, that intro scene with Ahsoka, when she plops down into the temple or shrine of the the witches if you guys want to dive into that you get you guys can probably talk more on that on dathomir or whatever oh, but the witches. yeah yeah that's oh. that's great content i thought um, that those were the mortis forest we'll get there oh yeah uh but with all that being said i don't know if it was meant or intended to be a shout out to the jedi fallen order video game with yeah, this sort really of machinations like sort of trying to uncover how this orb map is hidden um but i loved her sort of deciphering those sort of puzzle mechanics uh i it was great. It was a great intro to the character. And then all these, you know, rob, uh, robot droids come out of nowhere. The explosion. Uh, I didn't expect it to be that massive. Uh, but yeah, great. I didn't either. I, I really did. Like we've seen thermal detonators <laughs> yeah. blow up before. Yeah. And this was a thermal nuke. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> Those HK uh, droids always having that nuke in the middle. Like, that just seems like a, I mean, they are assassin droids, so it makes sense. But, uh, you know, the way that she actually defeated them, not her versus five. She essentially disabled three by pulling them underneath, then uh, finishing off two, and then going back to the others. Like, it it was a really well-choreographed opening sequence, I thought. Oh, it was, yeah. It was great. I think we got really great introductions to all these characters that people know them to varying levels. If you've seen mm-hmm. a season or two of the animated series, you know the characters a little bit. If you've seen all the series, you know the characters very well. I have only seen Ahsoka for a few episodes in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett, so I don't know her very well. But even if you don't know them at all, you get a nice little introduction to Ahsoka, Sabine, Hera, which Sabine is a Mandalorian? That's cool as hell. She's a Jedi uh, and a yeah. Mando. That's awesome. And, and the way and the way that they inter- introduce that just slowly by cues rather than stating it is so perfect. Yeah, just because a subtle we, helmet the, uh, under the desk. They know. Yeah, exactly. Yep. They know mm-hmm. the audience knows what a Mandalorian is. That's a way to ground this series to another character that it wouldn't have. You know, oh, Sidibin's so just another Padawan. No, show her the Mandalorian helmet. Now the all the, the audience is you know tuned into that and that's a part of her character um they do that throughout so well they're they're not it's not an exposition dump there's a few places where they're like trying to give some information about thrawn and ezra or whatever but it's more natural and it's through actual dialogue that people would have in these instances Uh, that was the biggest part for me it's actual dialogue oh you haven't seen your young padawan in a couple years probably wouldn't have much to say until everything really boils over they have that one conversation on ahsoka's ship where they're just kind of trying to wit each other back and forth and outwit one or the other like oh no i uh, you weren't ready no i wasn't ready yada 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 but then at the (laughs) end of the day they're 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 friends there's another example where you know uh, Sabine or actually Hera is talking to Ahsoka really early and she's saying oh you should really go see Sabine or you uh, and just talk about Ezra she didn't bring up other facts about their relationship and the audience doesn't necessarily need to know about her past love interest they're talking about the actual present moment for those characters, but at the same time, audience members that do know about their backstory together, 
that's what we're thinking about so it's like it, it it's a really well written show so far the most important point to illustrate is that new fans or absolute veterans are both enjoying this without them having to shoehorn in oh you haven't seen her since the incident and it, there's none of that it's it seems very natural and i just i, I love the dialogue so far it's it's refreshing to have really good writing because there's been some shows both star wars and other universes that have not had great writing and so far i'm impressed i will say the only mainstream reference to the characters we currently see on screen to the 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 mainstream audience is in rogue one there is a page in the hangar at yavin to get <laughs> general Sindula. but that's it that's all we know uh, about oh, these yeah. characters uh, the intercom. yeah over the, the intercom, intercom you hear her in. name but uh yeah uh, beyond that i mean i i think it's exciting that you know we can be introduced to these characters for the new viewers but not in a way that you know spoils anything so they can go back and rewatch it right yeah i think they did Kinda a like great job just throwing us in to these characters who you know they they make it very clear that they all have relationships going back many years but that's not necessarily required for us to understand we now get to see what their relationships are now and they the three main characters that we have so far all seem to have very interesting relationships between the three of them but also there's there's time right where the the audience members that do know the backstory of these characters there's been 10 years of a gap that we don't really know how they interacted. So to that point, we're the both audiences are learning at the same time as to something happened here. And there's like almost a dark overtone to all of it. And it's really started to me in the very opening with an actual Star Wars crawl. Yes. Which I was oh, I love to that. talk about that. And yes. I bring, love that they did the that crawl. Back with but red you know it's it's very much an ominous war impending doom type of crawl takes place and then opens up with one of the best openings to a series i've seen over the past few years with the two non-jedi mercenaries uh take you know taking morgan elsbeth um and and destroying that ship that was an awesome sequence it was very cool it was an amazing opening sequence made even better by the fact that this is what is the the characters in that opening sequence obviously we have to talk about the new master and apprentice the title of the episode we have to talk about the uh, the dark side of the force here and we will but that opening scene to show on the republic ship the callous attitude of the new republic that Mm -hmm. has not really even gotten its feet under itself yet when we talk about this time period in Star Wars, before all of the Disney films that happened, you know, after the original trilogy, and it's this kind of this middling period. We have the Mandalorian kind of in this middling period. All these shows taking mm-hmm. place. The New Republic is is not ready to to help rule the galaxy yet. So when you see these uh, th- these officers of the Republic being all you know confident, saying, "Oh, it's an old Jedi coming up in this ship. I'd like to see that." Have them bored, <laughs> and you're just inviting bluff, which you would, should Sith. never do. That's a exactly. terrible. Have you ever right. watched a Star Wars movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, but this is done on purpose. Yeah. This shows the the 
innocence and naivete of the Republic, not prepared for the looming threat of what we're trying to find out here is likely going to be Sith. We know eventually Palpatine returns somehow. somehow. I mean, so. so here's my question. You know, the captain, you know, you know, willingly allows them to board. It's captain an Imperial Hale, ship. Rest in peace. It's an Imperial ship. It's obviously not Jedi. Come on. Well, they had Jedi clearance. Yeah, but like, come on. It doesn't raise an eyebrow. Like the guy in the Intel department is like, hey, that's the point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. 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 So can we talk about those those two characters, though? Balin, Balin Skull and Shin Hati, a master and an apprentice that when they walked off that ship and they entered the hangar, obviously Star Wars rhymes, baby, reminiscent of Obi-Wan and <laughs> and, uh, and Qui-Gon and Phantom Menace strolling into this uh, this hangar hmm. uh, and they're wearing brown robes. So yeah. they, they're immediately are kind of caught off guard. Maybe these aren't, you know, we've seen Inquisitors in the past. We've seen, obviously, the Sith. They look a little bit different, and they sound like Jedi. And then that action sequence was just incredible with mm-hmm. orange lightsabers. Yeah, what's up with orange mm-hmm. lightsabers? That was one of the questions I had written down that I needed an answer from you three lovely so, gentlemen. I'll tell you a little bit of information about a red lightsaber. Red lightsabers, they start as... Blue, green, yellow, but the Jedi almost attunes with the lightsaber, pushing their hate into the into the the crystal, which bleeds it red. It's called bleeding. If they're orange, that almost means that they haven't completed the bleeding process. Oh, so, it's so like on the process almost of becoming a, red. These characters, and I love this Balin character, isn't a Sith, and he was a Jedi, and he almost has some honor, but he also wants power, and he's a mercenary and is doing this for greed. Mm. So it's really interesting character we just haven't seen before and i i also yeah. you know speaking about the two characters um the actors themselves ray stevenson and ivana sakno um uh, the chemistry between the two is phenomenal so i mean you know if you're trying to display this master apprenticeship there has to be great chemistry and the two work off each other phenomenally i mean mm-hmm. this was the first live action star wars disney era that i sith wise that i felt like this scene was just straight up badass i you know we saw kylo ren he had some cool tricks whatever his lightsaber you know exploded out the hilt in both sides cool whatever (laughs) sure it's a it's uncontrolled but this this scene was actually pretty sweet and it made me think back of like when I was watching Darth Maul, when he extended his lightsaber in the energy beam hallway in episode one when I was a kid, and I was like, okay, like Sith are dope. <laughs> Sith are awesome. Uh, I you didn't think would. of dope when I was that young, but that's a term. If I knew it then, I would have said it. <laughs> I think the the major difference, Jake, you're you're totally on to something there. I, I totally agree with you. The Sith are dope. But the major difference for these two characters, for me, they're not just moody emo yes. Siths that are they're seeking not Reva, power Reva at from all costs. Obi Wan, you know, it's yeah. like it's like they have wants and motivations, you know, dreams sure. and aspirations mm-hmm. and motivations. Right. We get that one line from Balin who who says, you know once this is all over, we'll have enough power. And so there's still that dark side energy deep inside of them. But at the same time, they have charisma. They have personality for the work that they're doing. They're not just sitting. It's like 
when we see some of these old <laughs> Sith characters, Darth Maul is literally just in a room. He doesn't eat because he's just fueled by hatred. I mean, again, more spoilers. That literally keeps him alive when he <laughs> dies in episode one. He is fueled by hatred because he's just so moody. These are good characters mm-hmm. already within two episodes. And I don't think they've even had that many lines. I could tell that both of these characters and both of the actors are, are invested so far. Yeah. And Shin Hati. Hati? Hati. We'll call Hati. her Hati. Hati, I think. <laughs> the Hati shows up and she takes down Sabine. They have a, a little yeah. duel, and Hottie comes out on top. An overwhelming. Giving us a little bit of a fake, <laughs> oh no, one of the main characters died at the end of episode one. Right. I am so happy that they released two episodes. because That's if, the only reason they released two episodes. If that was the ending to the pilot, I would have lost it. I, I, the, my single gripe of this, these two episodes, and I... I was very like I love these both of these episodes, but Star Wars needs to stop doing this. If Qui Gon <laughs> Jinn gets a lightsaber through his gut and immediately dies, Hold why on. does everyone else survive? Yes. Reva Say survives. Uh, Sabine survives, and and it's stand a up day and louder. A, a day Hold and a half on. later. <laughs> Hold on. Well, I gotta this hear what was... Jay's saying. This was through Sabine's liver. If we go back Uh, to the shot in the energy (laughs) beam hallway. Oh, it's in the side of the gut. Yeah, exactly. They have great liver rejuvenation technology. Did you see that medical droid? (laughs) Yeah, that medical droid. The same medical droid from uh, A New Hope, but, you know. Right, right. Their uh, back to tanks are more impressive nowadays. Yeah. In the Republic yeah. capitalism. Capitalism. They did kind of, you know, screw over their opportunities for uh, low stakes combat in Star Wars when they invented the most lethal weapon possible of a mm-hmm. lightsaber. There's no way for a lightsaber battle to end other than just both people walking away or someone dying, which is not good for, you know, excitement, but it is good for being cool as yeah. shit, which it was. What a great fight. <laughs> that, that was a I great fight. The choreography, oh. it was almost like, and I, I don't know if this is overdoing it, but it was like almost like ballet back and forth. And like, like it was so fluid. It was like a fluid fight. Right. And one of my favorite parts is back and forth cross sabers just over and over again you're getting close-ups there weren't many wide shots which is a little bit different than what we usually see we think of like darth maul fighting qui-gon but like Mm -hmm. this was very close up it was obvious shin was gonna win that fight from the very beginning but she was almost being toiled with uh was it obvious though i wanted to bring that up on on pod here because again we go back to the title of the episode very aptly named master and Mm -hmm. apprentice you have to remember that shin is an apprentice obviously more powerful because of the connection to the force whereas we know sabine it's later mentioned after she wakes up in the hospital uh oh is this our first shout out of david tennant's character great Great character i I love that droid that's where david tennant oh i saw david tennant in the titles and i was like who is Uh, david tennant playing in this he's who yang the droid oh i love you he's got a ton of personality (laughs) Uh, but he does mention it we catch this one audio clip that sabine uh, has like the lowest force yeah uh, aptitude recognition aptitude maybe it is the lowest force aptitude that uh, Hu Yang, who literally helped Jedi younglings build lightsabers for thousands of years, has ever seen. So 
that's to be said that, yeah, she probably wasn't going to win that fight. But at the same time, this was an apprentice v. Apprentice. And Sabine really held her own without the Force, which true. I thought was that's pretty true. cool. That's true. Uh, to that point, I, I mean, for me, I felt that this fight lasted a little bit longer than it probably should have. Uh, Agree. Because, and, and uh, you know, Sabine hasn't had the training in 10 years. You know, she said she hasn't really, like, kept up with the training. Meanwhile, you have this master apprenticeship going on where they literally just sl- slayed. They're very effective. <laughs> just sl- yeah, do. just obliterated an entire carrier vessel, uh, transport vessel. So, I mean, I, I, it felt a little dramatic for me, a little drawn out, and I'll allow it. Sure, fine. Um, the little fallback action sequence. That was cool. That was cool. Mm-hmm. I personally thought yeah. it was a little overdone, but uh, uh, maybe. But, yeah, it's, but it I enjoyed it. No, to nonetheless, me. nonetheless, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. This is another great example of what we were talking about earlier, and that you don't need to be a Star Wars veteran to have enjoyed these first two episodes. Now, when we know when we watch that battle, as if you have seen Rebels, then you know that Sabine was going through. Training with a lightsaber. Matter of fact, Jamie, she was once the owner of the dark saber. Oh, I was going to say, I want that to happen. Which spoilers? Yeah, (laughs) late spoilers. (laughs) We've already spoiled. And now the dark saber is dead. Is this happening? (laughs) Is this show occurring post Mandalorian season three, where now the dark saber has been destroyed? that has probably I, that, I, I feel like it's probably happening almost concurrently coinc- yeah. concurrently coinciding yeah. because there wasn't much time between season two and season three maybe six months or so so i think probably concurrently and we know it's all leading up to an eventual because i was ending. going to have my theory transfer over from the mandalorian go back listen to our hoopla episodes about mandalorian my theory was that grogu was going to wield the dark saber as the <laughs> The joining oh, yeah. force who part Jedi, like part Mandalorian, years. he would be the wielder of the Darksaber. <laughs> so I was just going to just transfer that over to Sabine, who is also a Jedi Mando. Um, but I guess she already did it. So I was right. I'm a genius. Holy yeah, shit. And unfortunately, there's not <laughs> a Darksaber anymore. I, that yeah. thing was crushed. Rip, rip. I don't know. They they reforged uh, Narsil into Endwell Flame of the West. <laughs> so I mean, easily they could. <laughs> well, Hobbit hoopla action there. Hoopla. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, and speaking of our Mandalorian hoopla episodes, my recurring theory throughout that whole season was that each episode title had a double meaning or was referring to two separate characters throughout the series. And we get that again here in episode one. Master and Apprentice is both Balin and Shin, the Master and Apprentice uh, antagonists of the show, but also Ahsoka and Sabine, Master and Apprentice. You got it. Yeah, that's and that's a great recognition. The the way that they introduced, we didn't talk about the opening to to Sabine's character. You know, what I really appreciated is the the movement of different scenes. At the end of the very opening, Morgan Elsbeth says Ahsoka Tano, and then it takes us over to the to the uh, the to Indiana Ahsoka. Jones Ahsoka scene, and then Ahsoka is speaking to 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 Hera. Hera. <laughs> to Hera, to Hera. You got it. <laughs> and she says, "You got to go find Sabine." And then it immediately takes us to Lothal, which was a really fun introduction to Sabine's character. 
that tells the audience immediately who she is without having, you know, dialogue, really. Uh, but we've always known her as kind of a super athletic, really, uh, uh, really skilled kind of demolition slash someone that can drive any automobile anywhere. And you see just like what her character is in that one scene where she doesn't come up to the stage and she flies down the highway uh, and swoops right under that X-Fighter, which I thought that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. total wild card of, of she, a character and super fun to watch. Super fun. She's also very, uh, they make it a very big point in Rebels that she's very geared towards artistic stylings. Yeah. Uh, she's always seen like uh, painting her armor and, and, and doing basically graffiti for all intents and purposes. Obviously propaganda against the Empire, but she's always been very artistic and that's evident when we see her finally, uh, we talk about Master and Apprentice and after Ahsoka and Sabine have that big conversation sabine kind of says okay it might be time to get the band back together i need to stop running away from my problems and and go ahead and and start again she pulls out the armor in that great scene that armor has been painted since rebels uh if you go back and look uh she has that ceremony where she cuts her hair that is just a really cool scene and also something that happened in rebels yeah we're gonna say that so much yeah, it's so it's true <laughs> Star Wars rhymes. it just keeps repeating itself <laughs> you know that the writing is going to but yeah, so it was an ent- excellent introduction to the character whether you have known sabine for four seasons or not yeah and- but not just in that in that scene, though, it wasn't just Sabine's character that was opened up to the to the audience. It's also Lethal, which is such an awesome yes. planet um, that changes so much from the time that the the Republic falls, the rise of the Empire, and through now. There's a huge change to this farming uh, planet that's now this almost metropolis. Um, and one really awesome moment was Clancy Brown's character, uh, General Ryder, oh, is yeah. one of a main uh, one. Uh, once again, another mainstay within the Rebels series where he's a rebel. He also then kind of leads Lethal against the Empire. But it's actually Clancy Brown playing that character in live action. A lot of fun that they're doing that with multiple character voice actors in the previous series now they're live action yeah mm, very cool that's very fun hopefully that happens for spider verse as well um taking us <laughs> yeah. over to hero make more blah. come on let's make it happen yeah um, <laughs> we just set them all yeah. jamie i'm i'm curious uh we've talked a little bit about you know plenty of of backstory of rebels jake brought up ezra one of his favorite characters i don't know if we're gonna see ezra live action in the next six episodes I I hope we do, but they have to do it right. My question for you, Jamie, is what do you think happened to Ezra, this seemingly Mm. main character? Uh, But as someone who hasn't seen Rebels, I am curious what you think that you gathered from the first two episodes. Well, as an astute observer of Star Wars (laughs) Ahsoka, um, it's very obvious. And I'm going to I'm just going to lay it out 100 percent accurate. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to tell me if I'm wrong, because I know for a fact that I'm 100 percent right. We have Ezra. They have their whole little band. They're hanging out. We got Ezra. We got Sabine. We got uh, the, the Hera. We got the tall purple guy we got the little cat yeah. cute little oh, cat wow. um, impressive yeah impressive yeah good they're hanging out uh, the lost cat's kind of new but love that cat yeah hey, we're talking about merchandising merchandising <laughs> he just yeah he just told you not to yeah, tell don't him tell he's me wrong because he's always right. right okay yeah. this okay. is this is a hundred percent accurate um anyway we got ezra <laughs> and we got sabine they're over here they're making out a little bit honestly 
They're, oh, these faces. <laughs> he's right. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. There were some times where it was geared towards that. There were other times when it was more familial. <laughs> Let's just say he's like the little brother, the, the yeah, guy that has brother the relationship. Like, okay. He actually says, he so said sister. And that uh, and that clip, you're like a sister, you're like to a sister, me. and you're like, come on, ship them, Dave. All right, we want to uh, see that, it. Well, that's gross. That doused a little They're... water on a bunch of uh, Twitter fans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, potentially stand. lovers, potentially friends. We'll never know. But they had a fun little adventure, and yeah. Grand oh, yeah. Admiral Thrawn, he shows up just being a big old bad guy. And then Ezra's like, not today, Mr. Thrawn. And Thrawn's like, it's Grand Admiral Thrawn to you. And then Ezra goes, <laughs> whatever you say, mister. And then Ezra sacrifices himself to take out mm. Thrawn. We think that they both die in an explosion Oppenheimer style. <laughs> but in fact, they end up on a different galaxy, which was a big question I have for you guys. Has there ever been intergalactic stuff happening in Star Wars, or have we always been in a galaxy far, far away contained within this one galaxy? This is a great segue into the bulk of episode two, so well done there. I'm a professional. <laughs> I mean, this was this is not what I thought we were going to do. I thought it was Ezra's out in the unknown regions, just a little bit outside of the main oh, core yeah. worlds, the outer rim, not in a separate galaxy where we're going to have to get this giant eye of Scion yeah, that ship cool. that's going to blast us as far as those Purgles space whales can go. <laughs> to another <laughs> galaxy. Jamie's like, what the fuck is that? Well, we saw the whales in Mando. Yeah, we we've seen the whales. And That's we true. saw the whales well, the in shadow, episode two. The, the shadow, shadow of said yeah. whales. We actually haven't seen them live action. Which I would love fair, to. Fair. I would love to, oh, yeah, love to make that wait. happen. Uh, uh, Jamie, you're mostly right. I mean, I know you're I know. being very broad on purpose, but uh, there was no necessarily explosion. I, this is... Again, and what the fuck did I watch? Well, this is the final. This is the final, final, final scene of Rebels. Other than like the wrap up stuff, what happens to Ezra and Grand Admiral Thrawn? We don't really know. But in that scene, we watch Ezra pull force energy, pull the Purgle towards him, and then they collectively shoot into light space oh. with the ship that he. In and Grand Admiral Thrawn are the Chimera. On. So it's a great Imperial Star Destroyer. Yeah, it's it was awesome it was actually really so, so they just they fuck off to who knows where. Correct. Yes. Let's just say there's literally space whales that wrap themselves around an Imperial Star Destroyer <laughs> and shoot to another galaxy. And yes, you yeah. might think that that's terrible writing and a weird plot, but it works. And it was and actually it, wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to uh, we we have the force in the Star Wars universe. Obviously, it penetrates us. It, it's all Don't around us. Like yada, yada, yada. It binds it us. Binds a gal- hey, it yeah. binds a galaxy together, Chris. That's, that's all. Obi Wan said yeah. it. Uh, in episode two, you mentioned double meanings of titles, Jamie, and I, I like that you keep with that theme. We talk about toil and trouble. Yeah. That's a classic line from an old Shakespeare play. Macbeth, uh, Macbeth obviously. Nerd. Uh, but in more... Hey, I just watched it. God is We just watched it. It's witches. Um, it's the witches, bro. But that's what... Yeah, so Andy's exactly right. We have to talk about the Night Sisters. Mm. This force-wielding dark side adjacent company of of witches 
Uh, we're not, we thought we knew where they were from, uh, which would have been the planet Dathomir. Now that we have this Ahsoka episode two, uh, with, uh, Morgan Elspeth returning as being revealed as a night sister, we've got Same a whole character. new kind of arena of magic and a whole new arena of dark side to explore here. You know, Diana Inosanto, who plays, uh, Morgan Ellsworth or Elsbeth, excuse me, <laughs> um, I, I just want to say her portrayal of yeah, one great. of the Night Sisters uh, in live action is actually spot on uh, in terms of what we Absolutely. know from the shows yeah. and the Jedi Fallen Order video game. Um, so, yeah, so, you Jake. know, the, the sheer composure and like the level of understanding of like the capabilities beyond this world. She just portrays that so incredibly well. Um, and I'm excited because I know they're going to bring in another character or m- more so of her company. Uh, and that'll be that'll be very intriguing Ooh, to see when they bring that to the screen. Music. Yep. Doom, doom, doom. What Give I really appreciate theory. about her character is we know from uh, previous lore that the Night Sisters they're essentially decimated. Their their civilization is almost gone. So to be able to introduce this character that was a ranking person within the Empire. That was create what creating uh, many star destroyers within the Imperial shipyards on Corellia, and I'm so glad we went to Corellia. You know, that her cool. her civilization was killed off essentially by the Separatists. So she joins the Empire and joins with Admiral Thrawn to kind of you know uh, we don't know we don't know we we don't know. But like, but she, but she has this this power. She's the, essentially one of the last people of this imperial remnant trying to get the last ranking member within the empire. So her sole focus is finding Grand Admiral Thrawn, and I find that really interesting. That everything that she's doing is solely focused on him. And she mentions that he's been speaking to her. Yeah. And that kind of introduces this like weird, you know, she's a witch. I mean, that's right. that performs witchcraft, which is another aspect of the forest. So what who's talking to her? Like, what are they going to find? There's a lot of mystery in this show, and I think it's really captivating so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, one thing I, you know, touching on that, Andy, that I'm very excited for, for just the general audience is seeing the expanse of the force um, and and yeah. how much further it goes than what we've seen. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about General Organa exploding out the front of the space cruiser and then like finding her way back in in the middle of episode eight, which made <laughs> everyone great. Great scene. Know, I don't care uncomfortable. Sure, sure. Uh, oh, but, okay. you know, I, I digress. The, the point is, is <laughs> what we're going to see in this show is going to be so incredibly eye opening. We better get some force-based shirtless FaceTimes. That's all I want. <laughs> I want to see Kylo Ren's torso through force powers. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to talk about the movie extended abilities, but what you will see in this TV show will be incredible. I can't wait for it. I'm very excited for the rest of this season. We have six more episodes to go. So tune in every week for the next six weeks to hear us hoopla all about it because I'm loving it. I know you guys are loving it as well. So as we come to the close of this episode of Holocron Hoopla. We can't go to the close yet. We haven't talked about Chopper, the Hera (laughs) final scene. We haven't talked about Merrick. We haven't we haven't talked about that wonderful Ahsoka battle. 
I, I, we got, we got like 30 more minutes here. <laughs> this is bonus content, except not at all. <laughs> Everybody tune in for the bonus content. <laughs> um, well, we, Andy's kind of no, right. He is are, correct. Are, he is are, correct. We still have you, plenty are to we, cover. Are we done? All right. I take it back then. Who's Merrick? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's even, even casual viewers won't know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we don't, we don't know, know we don't who know Merrick is. is but no, but in the, I don't remember uh, Merrick. Which one was he? Oh, Merrick is, Merrick is the Inquisitor. So the, on, on Corellia, Ahsoka fought Oh, Merrick. oh, that fight was then, awesome. Yeah, the end was, of that yeah, fight, yeah. when he gets away and he boomerangs his lightsaber back and Ahsoka just yeah. cold as ice. Oh. Matrix dodge that was incredible. That's yeah. gonna be that remixed to EDM songs on TikTok for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> I I just want to say Rosario Dawson is just oh yeah shout out. They oh, could yeah. not have casted a better actress for Ahsoka. I love her just sort of weathered, well knowledged, composed, mature aspect that she's bringing to the screen. When we've seen past Ahsoka being, you know, so naive and, and learning from her mistakes and seeing the troubles and obstacles that she's overcome. I mean, she just embodies it so incredibly well. Uh, I, clots, I agree. Clots. I agree with that. But even more so when she's also stubborn and she's grieving, like you can tell that she she gave up on Sabine because she fears what happened in her past. Right. Like she yeah. doesn't want to fail Sabine. Like, she thinks she failed Anakin. Right. And so, like, having that, and we don't know what happened between them, and that's why the I think the 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 interactions are so kind of almost once again kind of dark and and somber. It's it's just an interesting it's an interesting interaction every time Sabine is is on the screen with Ahsoka when they're not really talking about it, but we all know what happened. Yeah, I really right? appreciate the way right. that they're subtle about everything. They're not slapping us in the face with hey this is exactly why i'm mad at you they're kind of like hey these two characters have a past and maybe we'll get into it maybe we won't but the important part is how their relationship is moving forward from here i think they're doing a great job with all the the writings of those relationships agreed mm -hmm. uh, if we're talking about rosaria dawson i mean i'm gonna open that up and, and just say girl power i yeah. mean some yeah. really strong female castings here uh, Natasha Luba Bordizo is a phenomenal Sabine mm -hmm, so far, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, just cool. really capturing the spirit. And then you've got a, a, an absolute vet in Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who the funniest tweet I saw from Ahsoka yesterday was that how has Mary Elizabeth Winstead had this great of a career and all she does is look cute and wear goggles? <laughs> <laughs> Just, which you guys still have not seen Scott oh, Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've um, seen it, do man. That. Don't you worry. I've seen it. I I've also seen have. Sky High. So don't even <laughs> oh, yeah, talk I've to me about Sky Mary High. Elizabeth Winstead in superhero <laughs> films. <laughs> True. Um, and then, obviously, like Jake said, yeah, Diana Insananto. I mean, this is a, a female-driven cast, but it, besides the fact that they're all female or identify as female, these are strong characters that Dave Filoni is finally getting to push onto the main stage of Star Wars. That's the more important thing. The castings are excellent, but the characters underneath are helping that. And 
for that exact reason, Chris, that you're talking about with uh, with uh, Filoni, you know, taking control of this show and the fact that he's going to be the director for all episodes is what Jamie was saying earlier. Maybe the Andy writer. Of all he, all he wrote all. He wrote. Writer. He. I think he's credited with two, two directing the that first episode and maybe the fifth and the last. Having uh, written, you said written all the episodes. Yeah. Written this and sh- the showrunner. Right. Yeah. This show is going to be amazing for that exact reason. No, I have no doubts. Literally none. So one, I think one aspect of the show I was nervous about the most was actually the introduction of Hera's character because Hera is such a like such an important like maternal figure to everyone that's around her. And when you see Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she is younger. Like she she seems younger. I would have thought that Hera was. 10 to 15 years older than what she's portrayed Mm -hmm. as here but even with that being the case when you when the especially in the second episode when you when you start having these one-on-one dialogue uh moments with her and sabine and her and ahsoka she does she feels so much like Hera. so i i really appreciated uh that kind of her portrayal when she doesn't really sound or look that much like Hera to me. Like, obviously she does from like, she has green skin. She has the Lacoom like headdress, but like she's younger than I would have expected. Maybe she just ages like fine wine. Maybe that's just what it is. I don't know. I, I don't know Twilight aging. I mean, anything's possible. Well, that's true. <laughs> anything's possible in Star Wars. <laughs> but I, I do think it was just a wonderful introduction to that character. And especially when in that final scene, which really felt like a classic prequels slash animated action sequence where you have the lightsaber battle on the ground and then you have the starship uh chase yeah. up, up above that was a great parallel and with chopper there chopper and the was hilarious betu- also <laughs> between Hera oh, yeah. and uh chopper was just so much fun <laughs> like that that was just the epitome of star wars to me is embodied in that sequence and i'm so excited for the general audience to meet chopper he's oh yes such a funny droid so so much charisma so, some like, people find so him much annoying i love chopper yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like trying to find the tracking beacon oh it's under the battery or whatever it is <laughs> it was great it was great <laughs> and there will be so many more little no, you know i did not go through your like stuff <laughs> but that was truly written like an animated show where the mm. the small phantom ship flies above does a flip and the droid uses his little arm to toss yeah. A yeah. tracking beacon. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is awesome. And yeah. it worked. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. And now they know that this ship went to where they're building the Eye of Scion with who even yes. knows how many of these hyperdrive cores that they have been collecting. But it seems like maybe a dozen of these hyperdrives to try to blast themselves to another galaxy which brings me back to my other question from before have we ever gone to a different galaxy within star wars Mm. we've never heard about a different galaxy and so this is big yeah they've this is a big jump they've even (laughs) you know they've almost flirted with the idea of maybe there's time travel ish in the force maybe but they've never really like they've never talked about galaxies outside of what we really know what if they're going to the Milky Way? Ooh. <laughs> they're coming to our galaxy. They're going to be on the Hoopla podcast. And they meet the Avengers? <gasps> oh, my God. That'd be incredible. Ezra was the Flash all along. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, this guy. Well, 
The last thing I think we need to talk about that's related to episode two here, kind of meat and potatoes, is what were the the Sith cub, uh, team, I guess mm-hmm. we'll call them Sith squad for now, what were they doing at that particular planet, at that particular old, you know, ritual site? They called it a reflex point. Mm-hmm. We've never heard it called that before. Am I right, Andy? I've never heard that, we, yeah. Right. We don't know what a reflex point is, but we do know from Rebels one more big thing that we need to discuss going forward that I think is going to be a central theme. Uh, you said there's no time travel in Star Wars. I, yeah. There, there's this place called the World Between Worlds that's mm. introduced as a concept in Rebels. Um, it's somewhat connected through the Force. Ezra specifically finds his way through it. My theory here, I had to say that in order for my theory to make sense, is that that is going to be what they do. The Sith squad is going to unlock pathways into that world between worlds. And it starts... It starts with that little metal ball that they stole. Two two questions here. First of all, we can't call them Sith Squad because they're not Sith. They're not Sith. I'm sorry. Second, second, second. second They're angry pseudo Sith. Angry Jedi. Pseudo Sith. They're yeah. They're pseudo Sith. They're trying to act. I do think that is a good theory, Chris, because. If we're not go like, why would they have not gotten back? But what if they're not stuck in another place, but they're stuck in another time? And isn't wow, that it, wow? And isn't that how <laughs> string theory actually works, anyways? Yeah, it is. Is it? And, and are we a string I mean, theory you podcast? Know, you now? go quantum quantum physics. I mean, I don't know. You're the scientist, yeah. not me. Yeah, I, I would trust Jamie on on this on this uh, particular matter. <laughs> the string theory is just the force. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's where they got it from. But yeah, they're doing something. We might have to talk more about it and in, in, in bring in more of that Rebels information. But for now, just know time travel doesn't exist until it does. And then it Ooh. has always existed and will exist in the future and not the past or both. <laughs> but until we get to that inevitable future, I think that's a good place to call it for this episode of the Hoopla Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about always. We could go on and on and on for years. I have six more theories. Good thing we're going to be back next week to hear all about all of our theories and all about episode three (laughs) of Ahsoka. So tune in again next week for that. But before we close out this episode, we got to give it a classic hoopla rating on a scale of one to order 66. And I also want to hear what you guys either give me a real quick uh, what your favorite part of these two episodes was, or what you're most looking forward to for the rest of the season, in addition to this rating. Let's start with old Jakey Boy this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, are we doing this oh. on a scale of one to order 66? Is that, that is correct. That's what's going on here? Oh, baby. Uh, it's Holocron Hoopla. Yeah. You better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, if I'm going to go right off of the bat, I'm going to say these two episodes, I will give a 57 out of 66. Very strong, solid foundational introduction to the show. I love the pilot. Um, Even though pilot doesn't necessarily tell how the season's going to progress, I think they introduce all the characters very organically. Um, The casting is absolutely on point. The initial opening scene was beyond gripping. 
And just throughout the show, I, I loved how they just smoothly introduced all the characters without, you know, requiring background information that, you know, the other very committed fans have already seen. So um, all that to say, very well done. Uh, and I'm excited for more. So. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah. What about you, C3PIO? Uh, I'm right there with you, Jake. I, I, I really enjoyed this two-episode premiere. I think Andrew's correct when he says that it was the smart thing to do to premiere two episodes at the same time. If they had tried to make us believe that Sabine was really dead and come back and just say, oh, she's in the hospital, that would not have been good. But we got two episodes. I thought both were outstanding individually and both collectively. They've got me excited for the rest of the series. What I'm most looking forward to is that 10% more in just about every category. I want 10% more aerial battles. I want 10% more force usage. I want 10% more lightsaber battles that are maybe, you know, between not just two apprentices. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the details later, but I'm looking for that 10% more to take this show back to where I felt Star Wars was kind of in that Mandalorian season one, mm. the anticipation for that season two. So uh, give me 10% more new ideas. Give me 10% more lore that Rebels fans can enjoy. And I'm so on board with this. I'm going to start these two episodes with a 53 out of 66 and uh, an excellent rating by any standards. Hoopla. But I think there's just a 10% room for improvement. And I'm very Boom. excited. Lock for that. it in 58 out of 66 for the season finale from Chris Pio. <laughs> nice math uh they call me math boy <laughs> i thought they called you dr space wizard they call oh, me they lots do. of things man i got all sorts of talents some of them is math <laughs> some of them is lying to my audience <laughs> speaking of which andy what do you think about these first do i episodes? lie to the audience what i will not what i will not lie about is my favorite part of the, these opening two episodes the com the composition the score of this of the oh, opening we didn't we didn't, we didn't talk about score. kevin kiner who has been uh, a staple in as the composer for all the animated series whether that's clone wars or rebels he, i think it's hands down you know we've had in the star wars movies we've had Whoa. no I'm, I'm going there chris we've had michael giacchino in rogue one i thought he did a great job uh we oh, had amazing we job. had uh i think john paul was the the solo composer obviously you have uh the the legend himself john williams and then you, you had uh johannes uh in in mandalorian i think did andor yes. as well hands down every scene that you heard the score was enhanced to the level that john williams had enhanced the original trilogy and the prequels Woo! He is the successor for Star Wars scores going forward. If you just go back and listen to some of the small moments in this this ep these episodes, whether it was the opening scene and everything is enhanced. And it, there's the the standard Star Wars motifs, but there's a little there's obviously some of his creations with Rebels. He just weaves everything together so well. Kevin mm. Kiner score, my favorite thing in the, the opening two episodes, and I think should be the su successor to John Williams at, on all Star Wars movies going forward. My I'm going to give this a 59 I'm changing my answer. out of 66. Oh. Whoa. Now that's the kind of score I can get behind, my friend. Incredible. Um, I think I got to agree with, with you guys. I think it's right there in the 50s. I'll probably give it like a, a nice little 56 out of order 66. Oopla. Thoroughly enjoyed both Oopla. episodes. Such a joy to watch. I did split it up over two days so I could really mm. embrace it all and not just binge through it. I watched 
uh, the first episode as soon as it released, and I watched the second episode the next day, and I loved both of it so, All so right. much Star Wars. It's just, it's the most Star Warsy Star Wars you can get, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> Star, War- lightsaber Star Warsian, fights. even. It, it <laughs> was indeed Star Warsian. And I can't wait to see what happens over the next six episodes. Uh, so thank you all again for joining us for this Holocron Hoopla podcast episode. Be sure to tune in next week and all the following weeks as we cover the rest of Ahsoka. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. You know, links in the description, all, all that classic stuff. But as we end every episode of the Hoopla podcast, it is time for the moment of highest hoopla. The quote of the episode. What do you got for us, Andy? As Ahsoka Tano said, sometimes even the right reasons have the very wrong consequences. And I think that is going to be a big theme of this season. I think so too. Oh, I forgot to give my theory for this season. Oh. Oh! Sabine, when she was in the hospital, she was talking about the assassin droids. And she said, even if they lose an arm and a leg, they still keep going. Just like me. She's going to lose a limb. Either an arm or a leg. Maybe both at some point this season. Classic Star Wars style, get a hand chopped off. That's my theory. Mm. There it is. (laughs) Yep, gotta lose an arm. I mean, after you get stabbed in the gut and survive, you, you gotta go to the limbs. There's really nothing else left. She's uncovered. I like how they were just like, oh, she didn't die to that lightsaber because the ship showed up and she didn't have time to, I don't know what, paint on her body with liquid light for two <laughs> seconds? That would have ended her immediately. <laughs> Chris, it cauterized the wound immediately. But not Qui-Gon's wound. That one did not cauterize. <laughs> Rest in peace, R- Qui-Gon. R.I.P. Qui-Gon. Because it was, it was an orange lightsaber. Those orange lightsabers are less deadly. Everybody knows okay. that. Come on. Misa love Ahsoka. <laughs> <laughs> There's our intro. Uh.